1: Terms and conditions
0: apply. What's going on and welcome into another Pelicans podcast presented by Sea Geek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Hope everyone continues to socially distance. Wear a mask as we're, you know, all here at home in our home offices. We have another good podcast for you. We're going to kind of put a bow on the 2019-20 season for the Pelicans. After about 10 months of an actual regular season, we are able to put a bow on it. Unfortunately unfortunately for the Pelicans, um, they did not make the playoffs after going 2-6 and in the bubble. We have two great guests to talk about what happened this season. That's Todd Grappanini, radio voice of the New Orleans Pelicans and Jen Hale, sideline reporter, studio host for Fox Sports New Orleans and the New Orleans Pelicans. I'll I'll just start with Todd and go to Jen first. I appreciate you all coming on. And, and Todd, your rookie year was not the easiest one as as being a part of the NBA. (laughs) Have you had a chance to kind of unwind and, and kind of, you know reflect on what went down this year
1: a a little bit Daniel yes it was not your uh, typical rookie season but I can say that I'm not a rookie anymore and it was a rookie year that uh, no one will ever forget much less myself but yeah um, look first of all as far as just being a part uh, of the the crew uh, yourself and John DeShazer and Caroline Gonzalez and Joe Cardoso and of course the Uh, the TV uh, side of things with Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels and Jen Hale, of course, we're going to talk to in just a little bit. Uh, I couldn't have asked for better people to work with. Um, You guys made my transition to the NBA very seamless. Um, Obviously, you don't know what to expect when you transition from where I was in the college game all those years to, to the NBA ranks. But Uh, you guys made it really seamless and I just I thank everybody for that and it it was more than I ever dreamed it would be obviously it was very unorthodox what we had to deal with all year long but you know what we made it through the regular season and now we're going to have a a, hopefully uh, as normal an off season as we can uh, when you're talking about people not still being able to get into the office and 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 be together and, and and do those types of things but you know, all all in all, I, I can't really complain a whole lot. I just wish the team would have done a little bit better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we're certainly glad to have you a part of the Pelicans Radio Network and a part of the team. And, uh, Jen, we've kind of been through this for a while now, you and I in our ninth season. But um, unorthodox, I think Todd described it at, at pretty well there with unorthodox. How would you describe this kind of rollercoaster ride this season?
2: Absolutely historic. Um Todd, first of all, I think you handled it all like a pro and a champ because, yes, this was no easy task, no easy feat this season. But it certainly is one we'll never forget. Um, And I hope it's one we'll never repeat as well. But I guess time will only tell about that. Uh, You know, obviously, with the games being canceled or put on hiatus, the COVID, uh, that night being in Portland and everything shutting down, such an eerie feeling being rushed to a hotel restaurant and waiting to fly home emergently. It, it it was very reminiscent just of the drama that Katrina stoked for me personally. Um, so much unknown, so much to figure out, so much anxiety really over what the future held and, and not just for us personally, but for the city and the state and the country and the world. Um, it, it's one that, you know, I think, our kids will read about in the history books 20 years from now type of a thing. So I think when I look back on my career, this will certainly be one of the years that stuck out. Uh, And while it ended in a disappointing fashion in the sense that we weren't able to punch our ticket to the postseason, I do have to say not to be Pollyanna or drink the Kool-Aid, but you got to look at a lot of the positives going into next season, the progress and the growth we saw from Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, B.I., who my most improved, most definitely. And then even though it was a much smaller sample size than we wanted to see Zion Williamson, when he did play, he was absolutely fantastic. The building blocks, the, the pieces the Pelicans have going forward have me super fired up for the next season.
0: Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that, Jen. I'm going to stick with you just for a second here because I feel like a lot of people with how the restart ended for the Pelicans, that's how they kind of summarize the season. I think that's a little unfair because although I think everyone was disappointed on how the Pelicans did in, in Orlando, there were a lot of good things that came out of this season. And even though there was a 13-game losing streak, the Pelicans were under 500 uh, the entire season. But I feel like even during that losing streak, you had a young cork, that you can even take away that they really stuck together even in tough times and it kind of led to some of the positive things we saw after that losing streak with them.
2: They absolutely did Daniel. The locker room handled all of the ups and downs of this season like pros and to me that is very promising and telling because adversity either tears you apart or makes you stronger and uh, a decade of covering football and basketball I've seen it tear so many young locker rooms apart you never saw finger pointing uh I love how at the end of the season you saw all these young players taking accountability Zo saying I let my team down I'm going to use this off season to be better uh bi had some fantastic performances uh but beat himself up for what he perceived what he judged as as a um lack of defensive effort that he could be better in those situations I think all that bodes so well going forward you've got to have those types of attitudes and when you look at what Zion accomplished again super small sample size but goodness 16.8 points per game in the paint that's second behind only Giannis and he did most of that as a teenager 19 years old so imagine when he has an off season to get truly healthy and he was so efficient shooting and he still really has not at all even perfected the mid-range or that three shot that we saw in his debut game and then never saw again. Everything really came in the paint post-ups. When he adds to his game, I think it's just gonna be a phenomenal team for this for this city.
0: And Jen brought it up Todd, but when you talk about kind of having a full off season, look, David did come in last April. He he did have a full off season with the Pelicans last year. Um, but at the same time, a lot of these players, you, the guys from the Lakers trades, you know, came in, you know, midway through the offseason. You had a lot of new guys with J.J. Redick, Derek Favors, plus the rookies drafted who came in uh, in the middle of summer league. They didn't even get to start summer league. I feel like this is a chance um, with a new head coach and and kind of everyone, you know, for the most part going to be back. Um, it's going to be quite an interesting offseason, but also one for a chance to everyone to kind of have somewhat. I guess maybe a normal offseason, even though it, it may not be in some extent.
1: Right. Well, the thing, too, Daniel, is you got to go back a year ago, and uh, a lot of these guys couldn't even get in the gym because remember, B.I. was still dealing with blood clot issues. He didn't know if he was ever going to play again uh, if you go back a year ago. Uh, I know Nico Melli was coming off a, a surgery. He wasn't able to get out there. It, it, you just had guys that were not fully healthy. And now, you know what to expect in a sense. You know your teammates. Guys, these guys had never played with each other as well, when uh, other than the Laker uh, trio that came over. So there were so many unknowns in last year's offseason that are, are more kind of concrete now. And, and hopefully, again, we don't know what the protocol is going to be as far as them getting into the – Osher Sports Performance Center but hopefully they'll be able to get in the gym and work out on a regular basis where last year you just didn't know what they were going to do look I I just think the future is really really bright uh you talked about it you know Griff's got a got a real real off season where he's been in the organization now for a year and he has an idea of what direction uh, the the organization is going and and now we just got to uh to, to fill out the roster, we'll see who's coming back. Uh, we'll see who's who's moving on. And, and those are the types of decisions that have to be made the next couple of months.
0: Todd, let's stick with the Lakers trio. Um, and We're going to be done saying Lakers trio because they are now part of the Pelicans trio, but after this. But the fact that what you got in return, plus all the draft picks, and what we saw from Brandon Ingram this year with, as Jen said, in my opinion, the most improved player, Josh Art, the junkyard dog, the utility guy, and then Lonzo Ball, even though he didn't play that great in the bubble, had really started to get comfortable in a rhythm with this team before the hiatus hit. It just seemed like you couldn't have asked for a better start from those three guys and what you got for Anthony Davis. I agree. And look, when you make a trade, you want it to be a win-win,
1: okay? You want both sides to come out of it going, all right, we, we made a really good deal. And I don't think there's any debate uh, on how the Pelicans made out with the three guys that, that we got in return. You know, <laughs> we talked about this on the air uh, in our last game uh, against Orlando, myself and John DeShazer. Can you imagine what the record of the team would have been? And we were 6-22, and okay? We lost 13 games in a row. Can you imagine what the team's record would have been if Brandon Ingram wasn't doing what he was doing on a nightly basis, and Josh Hart wasn't playing the way that he was playing uh, during the months of November and December. I mean, would, would we have even won three games? Uh, because those guys were pretty much carrying the team at that time. And then, of course, what Lonzo did as he got more confident in his shot, you know, just getting in the gym every day with Fred Vinson and Brandon Ingram, And, of course, B.I. shooting percentages skyrocketed from years past, you know, to to watch those guys develop um, into what they became. And you mentioned it, It, you know, what happened in the bubble, you just kind of Lonzo talked about it. You know, he just got out of a rhythm. It was four months that they had not had any type of basketball activity. So, uh, look, those guys are going to put the work in. You know they're going to put the work in, and that's why you feel really good about them heading into next year.
0: Jen, let's talk about the rookies for this season. Normally with the Pelicans, what we have seen in the last, you know, few off seasons, there hasn't been a lot of rookies to talk about. Um, a lot of draft picks have been gone away, going away in trades, but now Pelicans have a bevy of draft picks for the future. But you had four rookies on this squad this year between Zion, uh, Nikhil Jackson, and Nicole Meli, a 28-year-old rookie. And I feel like you saw some some positives, some some spurts from each guy. Of course, we know what Zion can do. We know Na and Jackson are, are young guys with a ton of potential. Um, what did you see from the rookies on the court, and then also kind of their friendship off the court? I feel like made them pretty comfortable in this organization so quickly because they had each other to kind of go through this process with.
2: Absolutely. I think that last point, Daniel, is is really crucial. These guys were spending all their free time together from the get-go, from the time they got to New Orleans for training camp last offseason. And I think that helped the establish the bond and get the chemistry going that makes it fun to come to work and to play together every day. And those, those are the teams that really have success. When you go to battle 82 nights a year – I don't care how much money you make, I know it seems odd to the general public, it seemed odd to me too until I covered it, but it's hard to get up for 82 games. And when you have that that bond, when you feel like you're going into battle with your family, for your family, that gives you a little bit of extra edge. And the development we saw out of all four of these guys. Um, it, it really it's impressive it bodes well for the future uh, I think Jackson Hayes is going to put on a little bit of good weight this off season and be able to beat and bang a little bit more but you saw you saw so much effort out of him, so much uh, willingness to compete, willingness to go up against bigger, stronger defenders, uh, that, that I think the sky is just the limit for him. I think he's going to be really fantastic. Uh, Nall putting up a career high that last game of the season. I love that he still had that fight, even though – The Pelicans were out of it. You were obviously going to lose the game. The season was done. You know, he still, he approaches every game like he has something to prove. Uh, I think his decision-making improves, which obviously for rookies, that's part of it. You have to play to get better at the decision-making. I think in the bubble, we saw that coming. And after his G League time, we saw that start to improve. So I'm really excited for him next season. And as far as Melly goes, he still makes me laugh. Yeah, to be his age, I I think he is such an integral part of the team. Um, He's willing to do so many of the little things that don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. Coming over from Europe, coming over from a system that was so different, was quite the learning curve for him as well so I think having a year in the NBA specifically and having a full offseason is really going to bode well for him
0: no doubt about it we talk about these rookies but the rookies probably couldn't have made this transition uh, as smoothly without some of the veterans on the team Jen you look at Drew Holiday who of course has always uh, been that veteran presence for the Pelicans but you also add JJ Redick uh, which I think a lot of people, even know, all the places he could have gone in the offseason, he chose the Pelicans, and then the Pelicans acquiring Derek Favors. I feel like those veterans sprinkled in with some of the young guys really helped them adjust uh, probably a lot quicker than a lot of these rookies could.
2: It was a good mix, Daniel, absolutely, because uh, you had unselfish vets who were willing to teach and learn. And some of my favorite moments of that final game, when you looked at shots on the bench, you, that, you know, with – we weren't in control of the cameras like we normally right. are we were taking the feed from the nba bubble that they sent so we didn't get to choose our shots <clears throat> excuse me but w- w- there were moments where you saw drew talking one-on-one with frank jj talking one-on-one with Naw. that's like this is awesome the- they are teaching them they are going above and beyond it's not just that they're answering a question when they need to they're going out of their way to find these teaching moments to improve these guys. Uh, I- I'm curious what the Pelicans decide to do about D. Fave. He's, of course, an unrestricted free agent. He's the only one in the starting lineup that um, has a question mark around him. Uh, B.I. technically is a restricted free agent. To me, it's a no-brainer that the Pelicans will bring him back. But I, I wonder if he'll be in a Pelicans uniform next year or not. He said he wants to be. And I'd certainly love for him to be back. I think I think he's a great part of the mix and the chemistry.
0: Yeah, Todd, it's one of the many things that the Pelicans will have to to go through this off season. You know, the the lot draft lottery is only a few days away here, as we'll find out where the Pelicans will pick draft in October, free agency uh, shortly after, and then as of now, we're getting into kicking off preseason and training camp in November for December first start. I know that can all change with COVID. But as far as offseason and what kind of the Pelicans are missing right now, if you can pinpoint whether it's not exactly a person, whether it's a type of style of play that the Pelicans need, whether it's just some more veteran presence, if you, if you have to go down the list and figure out what the transition needs to be from the Pelicans last year to, to this next season and what kind of holes they need to fill, what would some of those be? It's a good question, Daniel. I, I think you I
1: think you got to add a little more length. And especially if with that length to add a shooter, now that's what every team needs. But I I just think that, uh, that maybe we were a little smaller out on the wings, especially when you see some of the other teams that we were competing against uh, in the bubble. I I, I just think that's, do you add another big, you know, is Derek favors going to come back? If, if not, uh, do you go out and get somebody Um, if he does come back? Do you bring somebody else in? Uh, what happens with Jaleel Okafor? Uh, you know, the, again, these are a lot of questions that uh, that David Griffin and Trajan Langan and Swin Cash and and and, and everyone's going to have to answer heading into next year. But you know, um, you know, Jen mentioned Nikhil. Uh, do you feel comfortable enough with Nikhil as a backup point guard? Obviously, Lonzo is going to is going to run the show. Uh, is Nikhil that guy you want to have coming off the bench to give you 20 minutes, uh, you know, at least 15, 20 minutes a game, when Lonzo has to take a break? Are you comfortable enough with Nikhil running the offense? Um, I, I think, and what Jen said, I think what he did in the bubble is, is very, very important for him, for for the fact, just for his confidence alone, uh, to be able to come out and, and show the type of confidence that he had early in the season because – As the year went along and and midway through, Daniel, if you recall, in December and January, Nikhil wasn't playing with a lot of confidence. And ultimately, you know, he went back to the G League so he can get some meaningful minutes. Then he got hurt, and then his season, for all intents and purposes, was over until we came back. So I think that's going to be a very important uh, aspect of what uh, Griff's going to do here as far as what happens at the guard position, especially
0: at the point guard. All right, before I let you guys go, this has been a great conversation, kind of wrap up the Pelican season, but I kind of want to look ahead as far as what you may think we'll be looking at as far as the season come next year, and I know it's so hard for both of you to predict, so I'm not going to, you know, hold this to you right now, but it's at the same time, you know, with, with everything going on, you have the NFL starting in about a month with no fans. Uh, I know the bubble is working so well for the NBA, and I'm so glad, but if we're, if we're talking realistically, I don't see them doing a full belt bubble for an entire 82 game season. So um, what are we looking at for next season? What's going to be the new norm or is this kind of a, we'll have to wait and see. I'll start with you, Todd.
1: You would start with me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> look, Daniel, I, like I said, the, I, I'm really glad that we are able to finish our regular season out and that the bubble is working so well. Um, you know, full disclosure, I'm glad we got to call the games, but obviously you want to be in the arena with the guys and and to travel and to, to, to share the experience with everybody and especially to have fans in the building. Um, I just think as long as fans are not in the building, we're looking at a type of bubble situation. I don't know how they're going to do it uh, as far as spread it out over 82 games. But I think the key is once they're comfortable enough, and we're talking about the league here, once the league is comfortable enough to bring fans back into the arena, I think, uh, unfortunately for us as broadcasters, and, you know, I don't know – I I know the players felt safe in the bubble as time went along, but obviously if you're there for a month or more, it could probably get a little tiring – I I think they would probably want to be back to normal as well as far as as traveling goes. But I think unless fans are back in or there's some type of vaccine, I think we're going to continue to see us call games remotely. And obviously, I hope that's that's not for very long because there's nothing like being in an NBA arena with fans.
2: What
0: about you, Jen? What do you think?
2: I'm afraid Todd is probably – spot on um just looking at what's happening with college football the changes we see coming down the pipeline for the nfl if the nba does indeed start in december which seems to be the going goal although there is talk about maybe pushing it back january february um i just don't think the country is going to be at a place where you can have fans in the buildings i i think we're probably looking at several small bubbles in different parts of the country um The NBA bubble in Orlando worked great. It is working great for the teams still there, but that was for eight play-in games and then playoffs. To do a full season, I I just don't think you would have players able to do that with their families. So I I think you're looking at smaller bubbles and, and maybe a rearranging a bit of the schedule where you spend a certain amount of time in this one bubble, you get to go home for a little bit, and then you go to the next bubble. Um, it it is certainly a challenge, uh, to figure out how to do this with 82 games that long of a season, uh, the traveling parties as large as they are, it's, it is going to be, um, something that I'm sure the NBA folks in, in Secaucus and New York are, are, are definitely mulling over, um, and I'm glad that they're the ones to do it because, you know, they were the first ones to recognize what we were dealing with in terms of the pandemic and call a hiatus to the season. And they came back with a successful bubble. Adam Silver and his crew seem to have been on top of this as much as one could be uh, in these unprecedented times from the get-go. So although I'm, I'm a little bit sad because I think Todd's right and we won't have fans and I hate that. I do think the right people are, deciding and and crafting a plan for the future that'll give us the best chance possible to stay safe, but to also play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I hope we do have some fans and maybe there's a chance that we do, but uh, as long as basketball is being played again, and we can start the next season, I'll certainly be happy with that. But you're right, Jen, you know, the NBA has done a phenomenal job of, you know, as soon as it happened in March, they shut things down immediately and that kind of spiraled everything else. And then they're the first ones to have a legitimate plan. I thought with the NBA, the NHL followed suit. And the NHL is doing just as well. And now there's some other leagues that are trying to figure out the same way to do it. So NBA has certainly set the tone. Go ahead, Todd.
1: And one more thing, Daniel, just to to piggyback all of that. I think kudos has to go to the players. A lot of kudos has to go to the players themselves for making the bubble work because a lot of people thought as it started that there was no way that the that the players were not going to, you know, let people in and this and that. I think they have taken – accountability with each other. Uh, I I guess uh, peer pressure would be the the thing. You don't want to be the one who messes it up for everybody else. And I think these players have taken it to heart and that's why it's worked. Yeah. They had a couple of outliers, obviously the Lou Williams thing, but it wasn't any type of a situation where you had five or 10 guys, you know, running astray and doing things that they weren't supposed to. Everybody did what they were supposed to be doing, for the most part. And that's why they're still playing basketball right now.
0: Absolutely. Well said. And again, also what the way the players are doing using their platforms during this time, it's certainly been a very powerful and seeing what they're doing. And they continue to do it throughout the entire playoffs, um, which, which I'm glad that's happening as well. I'm glad I had both of you on. I know it's not the ending we all expected. It was nice seeing both of you uh, in person for a little bit for at least two weeks uh, in an empty arena. And I hope we can see you all soon. I appreciate you guys coming on. Jen Hale, sideline reporter, studio host for the for Fox Sports New Orleans and Todd Graffinini, radio voice of the New Orleans Pelicans. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having
2: you. me. Good talking to y'all.
0: Absolutely. Here's a chat with Todd Graffinini and Jen Hale. We'll have another podcast for you on Thursday, getting you ready for the NBA draft lottery that will take place on ESPN. Uh, we're looking forward to that. We'll see if the Pelicans uh, what they will have the same luck as they did last year. Um, a little bit tougher odds with the Pelicans potentially at the 13th slot. They lost a tiebreaker to Sacramento yesterday. So right now they're slotted at 13, but that could change. As you saw last year, you never know what happens with the NBA lottery. So Jim Ikenoff will join me on Thursday. We'll also have our last Pelicans weekly presented by Smoothie King on Thursday on our flagship station, ESPN New Orleans, 100.3 FM. Surprise guest for you uh, to be determined. Also, while you have a chance, this is a chance for you It's so hot outside right now in New Orleans still, even as we're approaching September, to cool down and fuel up with the new hydration smoothie at Smoothie King. Blended with non-GMO whole fruits and electrolytes. Choose from mango, pineapple, or watermelon. Visit Smoothie King or order online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you later on in the week. Until then, I'm Daniel Sanderson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans Podcast, presented by Seek.